What I now believe is one of the most important things to consider in real estate is performance, right? How does the investment that I want to make actually perform when I own it, right? And so that made it pretty obvious very quickly that owning real estate in California is just not going to perform, not because the houses are bad or the neighborhood is bad or any of those other things, which are all valid criteria, but just by the sheer number of what does it cost and how much rent can I make? Right. And so that then led to deciding, okay. A great book can totally challenge your conventional thinking and change your life for good. However, some of us just don't have the luxury of time of sitting down to read a book, but there are some instances in which we do have dead time and these are perfect times to learn so we can learn while driving instead of jamming to the same music on the radio or maybe at the gym well now you can dwelling has partnered with amazon's audible to give you the dwell listeners a free book yes a free book so all you have to do is go to audibletrial.com forward slash dwelling and download your free book this will also be in the show notes. You can click on the link. And if you don't have a book in mind and you say, Ola, I don't actually know where to start with. Well, awesome, because I can tell you one to start with today. It's a quintessential classic. It's called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So download Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that would basically just take your mind on a different spin. Of course, I'm always open to hear um, from our Dwell listeners. So email me at ola at dwelling.com. And then feel free to also give us a, a rating and review. This really helps us. To rank better in iTunes. I can't wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on the Dwelling Show. I'm your host, Ola Dantes. I've got the amazing Axel my offer. Yeah, I, I hope I got that right. How are you doing, Axel? Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ola. Yeah, you actually did it very, very well. That was <laughs> probably one of the best pronunciation in a long time. <laughs> Yeah. And where's the, where's the name from? I'm curious now. Uh, the name is originally from Germany. I'm and my family is originally from Germany. We came right. over to the US 25 years ago with the military. Wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's a good segue for us to kind of jump into this. So can you kind of tell us a little bit about who Axel is, um, kind of what you've been up to and kind of what you've been doing lately, actually? Okay, yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we came originally over here with the military. I was uh, uh, flying for the German Air Force in Germany and uh, had an opportunity to work with a couple of companies in the United States that make equipment for planes and um, learned, you know, what the new equipment does, bring it back home, put it in the planes, test it and then make it available uh, to my fellow aviators. And in the context, my wife at some point said, you know what, it would be nice if there were an opportunity to be in the US for a longer period of time. Do you think that's possible? So I researched it and found out that there's actually, and I believe it's probably still existing today, that there's an active, what's called an exchange program between the US Air Force and the German Air Force, where you literally, I mean, in every aspect that you can imagine, you take on the position of a US Air Force officer and he or she takes on the position that I had. So I was the assistant director of operations for a flight school as, as my um, kind of side job besides the flying. And he was the assistant director of operations for an F-111 fighter squadron. So I became, took his job, he took my job, did that for two years and I thought then we would go back home. And then there was another project that the German government wanted to do together with the US government and they said, oh, you're already in the US, you already how they work, why don't you stay and do that for us? And they, 
I said, how long? And he said, oh, about another two years. Well, that was not quite true. It was another like almost five. <laughs> so, and, and one thing that's kind of interesting and in how we got to where we are now is basically when you are in aviation, and, and now that space and stuff is back in the news, you know, people are going to the International Space Station and stuff like that. I think it's everybody is aware that your body can take the, the physical impact of, of these kind of activities like flying fighter jets only so long. So I was getting into my 40s and my contract said, uh, and we call that, by the way, flying a desk. So if you, you can either retire from the Air Force or you can stop flying and fly a desk and i didn't want to fly a desk even though i'm at my desk most of the time now but i didn't want to fly their desk i guess so i retired and then got recruited as an executive into a software company and i thought oh the free world you know normal business would be totally different and i could apply everything i learned and make it even better and it turned out it wasn't quite exactly that way and then in 2005 i started my first own business and still have it and still run it and Right now, you said, okay, where are you now? It's basically out of this uh, consulting business. Um, I realized, and this is maybe something typical for the US, that we don't really on a small business level uh, have anything that is kind of like a, a retirement plan or retirement system. So I thought, okay, what, what would I do? What could I do? And real estate was kind of like an obvious choice because I've been moving around with the Air Force so many times and bought houses, sold houses, rented houses, all that kind of stuff. And so initially got into that just on a private level. And as we kept doing more and more and building our portfolio, um, naturally, just like with your friends and family, if, if you were in my network or like, you know, you, we would have just chatted about it, right? Like over a beer or something. And so as I kept telling people, when they asked me, what kind of deals are you doing? Uh, more and more people said, you know, this is really interesting stuff. I never knew you could do this or you what you you sold a house and bought a house and didn't pay taxes on the gains. How is that possible? And those kind of things up to the point where like last year, more and more people said you, you should put something out where if somebody is interested in this information or wants to actually work with you or wants to benefit from what you have learned, that should be accessible. And so I started Idea Wealth Grower. Uh, as basically a department of, of my previous company um, so that we have like a website and we have um, an ebook and we have a mentoring program and all those kind of things and it has been growing from there but it's based on like probably now almost 15 years of investing in real estate. Wow yeah that's a lot thank you so much for for introducing that so let's kind of um, I guess walk backwards a little bit so you didn't want to fly a desk as you said you know how did you from someone who you know didn't know much about real estate, right? You, you said you had a, an executive job as well. So how did you kind of make that full foray or transition into real estate investing? What was that very first deal that you did that allowed you to, I mean, you said you were buying houses privately while you were moving around the country, but what was that right. true, true deal that you did that allowed you to get, to get started? Yeah, what actually happened is, uh, as I mentioned, in my while I was still in the military and I thought we would be going back, I mentioned there was this other project. And what this, this project actually meant was that German Air Force um, military members and U.S. Air Force military members would work together at a U.S. base in a training capacity. But what it also meant in the same time, and I was the, the person in charge of, of getting this all going, was that the people that were supposed to run this program needed to live in the community. And that was a relatively small town of 25,000 people in New Mexico. 
And so they said, yeah, we would love to build all this housing for these people, but our builders are like they're building a few houses a year, right? Like, I mean, the scale is just not what we're used to. How can we actually handle this? And so I went basically to the government agencies and said, can we somehow make this work? And they were then willing to say, okay, what we can do is we can guarantee that when you put a military member for this project into a house that is being built or even a condo or something like that, then we will pay the rent directly, right? Which basically means if, if you are doing anything in real estate, you would say, I would love to have a scenario where I never have to worry about the rent. And I'm not talking section eight, I mean like in a private capacity, but the government pays you directly. And these are, you know, ranking military officers. So, you know, it's not somebody who is kind of fallen on bad times and needs government support or whatever, right? But what it also meant is that way you could get financing. And so I, my first house in a long winter way was to say, okay, in this neighborhood where I was living myself, I could get a house built and then rent it out and never have to worry that I wouldn't get the rent because I knew as the program manager, the project was for 20 years, right? So basically a 20 year rent guarantee, where do you get that, right? <laughs> so Not now, I have to say the flip side of that coin is, I thought I put a really, you know, smart, well-educated, normal person into the house and had to learn how amazingly irritating uh, tenants can be. And I love my tenants now, but at the time, you know, like he basically ruined the living room because he claimed that he didn't know that when you make a fire in the fireplace, you have to open the chute, right? So all that kind of soot and stuff went everywhere. And then the wow. fire alarm went off and the, the fire department showed up and they said, oh, we didn't really need to fight the fire. We just needed to open the, the chute and that was it. And I said, oh man, what, what an idiot. You know? <laughs> but I mean, that was one of the good lessons to learn that, you know, you want to have property management. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that, that's a funny, that's a funny story. So you, you, you did a bunch of these or are you still actually doing this for the, for the military right now? Or you've kind of shifted a little bit? No, I did. that was the first deal. And then ultimately, like I said, I retired. I moved uh, from New Mexico to California and we're still living in California. And so then basically started to get a little bit more serious of, you know, do I keep this house? Do I add more houses to it? it always in this context of how do I build a retirement income for my business? And then over time, as I got more interested, you know, I looked into bigger pockets, started reading books, attending seminars, all the stuff that your guests probably mention all the time. Uh, what I realized is that there is basically a universe almost hidden from the public about what are all the rules, what are all the different options, should it be a syndication, should it be apartment complexes, I saw one of your recent shows, you had somebody who invests in storage, you know, um, facilities and stuff like that. So first I realized, well, I kind of accidentally was already in residential real estate, but is this really where I want to be and where I want to stay? And over time, I learned what I now believe is one of the most important things to consider in real estate is performance, right? How does the investment that I want to make actually perform when I own it, right? And so that made it pretty obvious very quickly that owning real estate in California is just not going to perform, not because the houses are bad or the neighborhood is bad or any of those other things, which are all valid criteria, but just by the sheer number of what does it cost and how much rent can I make? Right. And so that then led to deciding, okay, for myself, not still not really making it public for myself, I need to find a way to purchase properties in areas where they do perform well. But that also means I can't be there. 
right? So then I thought, okay, you know, read some books. People say property management is the most important thing, and I would agree. But then the property itself is also really important, right? And so that is what led me ultimately to find specific types of turnkey companies. And that's where this whole strategy that I apply for myself and my family, and I'm happy to help people through mentoring, coaching, and so forth uh, in IWG. Um, how do you actually build a portfolio of properties through turnkey providers quite a ways away from home? So what is a so yeah what is a turnkey um, investment for those that are listening to this and maybe haven't heard of that term? Um, what is that? Yeah, I mean you will find a lot of different definitions, and I always jokingly say the people who offer turnkey always come up with a definition that suits them the best. So for myself and for anybody who works with us, I always say our definition is is pretty elaborate because we say a turnkey provider is an entity that finds a suitable property for renovation, number one. Number two, gets it all fixed up to a standard that is very well suitable, good quality for a tenant and sells it to me, number two. And number three is the same entity, literally the same entity that then manages that property that they originally found and that renovated and sold to me. That is a turnkey provider because in that sense, literally they do everything until we can turn the key and walk into a brilliantly nice, new, freshly renovated place. And I'm not talking myself, I'm talking the tenant. But then they also keep taking care of everything that happens after that. And that's really, really important. I call that the virtuous triangle. And if you look at a lot of others that claim that they do turnkey, oftentimes they do either one out of those three things or two out of those three things. But it's pretty rare that you find anybody who does all three of those three things. That's why we only really, I only for myself and for all our clients, we only use five across the country. And that's plenty, you know, that gives you five different locations to diversify your portfolio. But most importantly, they, these five do those three things under one roof. So if I'm somebody living in California, probably, you know, maybe working in tech or iPad jobs, and obviously saying the same thing that you've, you know, mentioned, it's pretty difficult to find um, deals that would perform to the standards that, you know, you've set, um, or maybe they live in New York city or somewhere where they're not getting the kind of deals. Um, what would you say is the first thing they need to do, um, to kind of get into turnkey rentals? Well, the first thing I always say is, well, there's zero point first thing and then the first thing the very very first thing that doesn't have anything to do with real estate is basically what i suggest and also do with people who like to work with me is do what's called a personal what i call a personal balance sheet to really look first okay what are my income sources how much is coming in where is it coming from all that on one side of the ledger and then on the other side what are all my cost right what am i paying currently for rent or for mortgage for my car for my whatever all the things that are on cost and then draw a line and say okay what's the balance that's why it's called a balance sheet is it a positive or negative balance so that i think is very important because if you even consider you want to do something in investing and then more specifically in real estate investing you need to know that there is something that comes in that is more than goes out because otherwise you would never have any funds to invest. So that's kind of like the precursor, but then 
when you say, okay, what's the first thing when you want to get into this turnkey, out-of-state turnkey investing, is really think about and educate yourself, and I'm happy to provide that service, but there's also tons and tons. Your show, for example, I saw in the list of all the episodes, there's such a broad spectrum of all the different things you can do in real estate, right? Like you can say, do I want to be in storage? Do I want to be in syndication? Do I want to do uh, commercial? Do I want to do apartments? And you really kind of need to ask yourself, which type of real estate investing do I want to do? Now, I'm very biased to say I'm, I'm applying here, you know, on standing on broad shoulders is the Warren Buffett rule to only do stuff that you understand. So that's why we basically recommend residential real estate investing, because even if I'm not an owner, I know something about residential real estate because I need to live somewhere. Right. And so okay. that is a much broader and better education than if I were to say, okay, for somebody who's done nothing, right, they all their life, nothing in real estate investing, and you say, okay, why don't you look into syndication? Right, that is like a universe somewhere out there in the stars that takes a long time to understand unless the other option is to say, I just trust whoever is the syndicator, the general manager, and I don't really need to know what I'm doing. But I have found most people that we work with are very interested on what happens with their money, right? And so that's why we ultimately say the first step is what kind of investing do you want to do? And if you work with Idea Wealth Grower, then the investing we do is residential real estate, basically one to four unit properties. So I'm sure some folks are thinking, wow, I really like this turnkey stuff. Um, kind of want to get a case study. Um, so can you give us a case study of one of the, the turnkey rentals that you bought? Yeah, absolutely. You know, how did so, you find um, it? How did you fund it? And kind of a story. Yeah, of- uh, absolutely. So I, I'm naturally, I mean, I may, I'm skipping a few steps. Uh, let's just, if you're okay with that, Ola, just let's assume, okay, I know here are five different turnkey providers who meet my criteria, right? So if, you, if we start there, so I looked at, which one has recently offered me a property that is suitable that I, that I would be interested to, to purchase. Now, this is a little bit of a thing. I just want to throw this in. Normally, most of these companies, any kind of real estate company have a website and they put stuff on. If you have a standing relationship, you will find that they actually start offering stuff to you and sending stuff to you. Right. So that's, that's one of the things, but um, Let's say, okay, I have my turnkey provider. They sent me something I'm interested in. And this happens to be a property eight minutes away from downtown is priced at $80,000 will be done. We are just before Christmas. It will be done on the 1st of March, right? They're in the renovation. The turnkey provider owns it already. And they have put down exactly what all the renovations are. And the tenants can move in on the 1st of March. And it costs $80,000, right? So then... I want to basically go through the performer, through the scope of work, through all these things, through the neighborhood, you know, what's the economic environment, the employment environment, you know, is it, is it a B category and all those kind of things to say, okay, this is a deal that works. And when we go to the term that I mentioned earlier on performance, what I use as a starting point is called the 1% rule. And what that means is when this turnkey provider says, we have this property and we are willing to offer it to you for $80,000, then I need to know that in that neighborhood, I can make at least $800 in rent a month, right? So now in reality, this was such a nice property that we make, I think, $875 or something, right? But that's, 
that's the thing now in my case and i always recommend that for people who are just getting into the game even if they work with us and i introduce them to my providers and they wouldn't have to be afraid that they get some kind of bad deal or something but i still recommend even under those conditions to actually go and look at the property and it's super super educational when you have a good relationship with the provider so you can see the property while it's being renovated Right, because when everything is done and everything is pretty and beautiful and painted and stuff like that, you see the end product, but you learn more from what goes into a renovation effort by seeing it while it's basically in the middle of the renovation. But the one thing is, regardless which you pick, whether in during renovation or at the end, you should actually see what you buy. Right? I've always, you know, more and more people want to convince me they'd be buying more and more stuff online. But I still think there are certain things, you know, like if you spend 50 grand on a car or 80 grand on a house or 100 or something like that, I think you kind of want to spend a few hundred dollars to see and actually what it is and where it is and that it really exists. And I'm always blown away. I, by the way, I'm curious, Ola, what you would say about that. But I'm blown away when I read or hear these stories where people invested in, in real estate just to find out that they bought an empty lot when there was supposed to be a house and they were curious why they never got any rent and stuff. And I say, what you couldn't get on a plane and go and look at the and just look, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I, that has always escaped me. So, I mean, you know, so you have your $80,000 house, we rented it for 875. Um, we put 20% down, which is $16,000 and a little extra for closing costs and stuff like that. Yeah, and then basically it went from being renovated by the turnkey, they sold it to me and it immediately like on the table when we close is the lease agreement and the property management agreement. So we all said we made it so that we closing just before March 1st so that the tenants can move in. It's mine. The property managers are ready to, to help and support. Well, and then we just kind of treat them well and they have a beautiful brand new place. It's literally like moving in a new house. Right? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, so, so you, I'm guessing you own a bunch of these and you know, the yeah, we you, own 10 of those. Yeah. Ten, and are you concentrated in a particular market or are you kind of all over the country? Uh, not all over the country, but we basically, I, I mean, most people call it the Midwest. We have one market that we are in uh, West of Chicago. Uh, then another market is in the uh, Ohio area, like, you know, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Dayton, that kind of area. Mm -hmm. And one of the newer markets that we are uh, working on right now is in Alabama. Interesting. Onsville, Alabama, it's a good, is a good city. Onsville, Alabama. Onsville yeah, and Birmingham are the two that we are currently. Yeah, that's awesome. Know. We haven't bought anything yet, but we are kind of reviewing properties right now. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, so we can keep going on, but we're definitely, definitely dwelling into the quick rounds. These are going to be quick questions, quick answers. You ready, okay. sir? Yeah, so totally. All right. First question. What makes us Axel unique? What is that differentiating factor that separates you from the next guy or from the next girl? Well, I would say the unique thing that we do is basically making all our existing relationships available to anybody who wants to work with us in our mentoring program, right? You, you get the lending, the insurance, the relationships to the turnkey providers. That is pretty rare. I mean, it's not that you can't get education and advice all over the place, but making these existing relationships is shortening the distance that somebody needs to go through learning and, and actually getting ready to invest enormously that way. Totally agree. Next question. What was the last book that you read and what was the one thing you picked up from that book? Uh, well, it's not necessarily the last book, but one of the better books that I read, it's from John Soforic. It's called The Wealthy Gardener. 
And what it basically reinforced in my mind is that all these things to build wealth and to ultimately reach economic independence and no longer having to exchange time for money is a journey. And you just need to basically keep the goal. Like in my case, I always preach, identify what is your goal of economic independence. Is it four, five, six thousand dollars a month? That's what you want to reach. And then there are steps to take on that journey. That was reinforced. John really did a great job in that book and I recommend it to anybody. Nice. Thanks for that recommendation. Final question. Obviously, you're busy with, you know, I'm running your properties. You've got your, you know, your, your business. You're probably coaching some students. What do you do for fun? Well, I mean, it's kind of funny because you asked me about the book and our business is called Idea Wealth Grower. So I love to grow stuff, right? Like, so I just, uh, during our Thanksgiving dinner, um, I had about uh, six weeks ago started the second round now it'll be san diego right keep in mind we live in san diego so i seeded a second round of sweet peas so during thanksgiving to start the meal everybody got my first harvest of one single sweet pea to start the thanksgiving dinner right so that's kind of what i do for fun and people may debate if that's fun or not for me it's fun i really love to see things grow and especially if it's something you can eat <laughs> yeah no definitely no thank you so much for that if there's somebody listening to this i maybe want to reach out to you guys and maybe get you to help them what's the best place people can reach out get to know you more well one of the things is to go to our website ideawealthgrower.com you can get the free mindset manual you can fill out the contact form and, and get in touch with me or people can call me i have no hesitation to give out my cell number which is 805-708-6830 Exo, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Ola. It was fun. You may have heard the phrase, there are a thousand ways to make a thousand dollars in real estate. Well, now you can actually tune into the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with over a thousand, believe it, or a thousand podcasts and still going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is hosted by a very good friend of mine, Joe Fellers. Joe talks to influential thought leaders. We share the best advice ever with none of the fluff. You've got to check this stuff out. So listen and subscribe at bestevershow.com. That's bestevershow.com.